1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me
0: every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every
0: day. Welcome everybody to the Thursday, October, what is it, the 15th already, halfway through October. October 15th edition of Locked On Dolphins. We have some developing news in the Le'Veon Bell story and front to discuss on the show. We're joined by John Butchko of Locked On Jets for our Locked On crossover series talking about week six Dolphins Jets. We have some defensive all twenty-two impressions. Regarding the Miami Dolphins and their play in week five, lots to get into, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Before we go anywhere, today's episode is brought to you from our friends at Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Lots to get into today. Uh, we kind of teased the All-22 stuff, that's a staple. We teased the Locked On Jets crossover. Very good, healthy conversation with John Butchkin. You know, we, we might hate the Jets, here on this show, and we certainly do hate the Jets, but John is a great guy, and John has a really grounded uh, stance on this New York Jets football team that all of you are really going to enjoy hearing, but former New York Jet running back Le'Veon Bell, a report coming out this morning as I'm sitting down, I'm glad I kind of got around to the podcast a little bit later than I would typically record, because we have a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that says Le'Veon Bell may be expected to make a decision as quickly as today about where he's going to play his next football. And three teams, three teams on the short list, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, and your Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, 30th in the NFL in yards per carry with 3.7 yards per rush. Obviously, we need a boost. We spoke at length yesterday on this podcast about how Le'Veon Bell would and would not fit within the Dolphins' infrastructure and their strengths and weaknesses. I think the biggest, most telling sign that the Dolphins are indeed engaged with Le'Veon Bell is it tells you what this Dolphins team thinks of their football team. Management would not be kicking the tires on a veteran running back like Le'Veon Bell If they did not feel as though he could come in, provide a pass catching boost, which that beyond everything else would be where Le'Veon Bell would make the greatest impact for the Miami Dolphins, the pass game. We knew what this was supposed to look like for the Dolphins with their running game and theoretically how it was going to work. They were going to stretch you out. They were going to go light boxes, and they were going to try and run downhill between the tackles. The problem is Jordan Howard, who was brought in to be the early down back, does not have any burst in his stride anymore, and and as a result, he's really struggling to get through those gaps when they're present. Of course, Howard is only really used in short yardage at this point. The Dolphins have kind of adopted a lot of gun run with either Matt Breida or Miles Gaskin. They've gone pistol. They're trying different things to try and get the back set up on their tracks to where they can get through gaps. Le'Veon Bell, his strength as a runner is his patience. He liked Jordan Howard is a step slower than what it used to be and, and a step slower than Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin. So the fact that the Dolphins are interested in buying tells you this team feels as though they can compete for a postseason spot this year. You don't make this move if you look at yourself and say, well, we're young, we're talented, but we're inexperienced, it's probably not going to happen for us. The ideology of of considering Le'Veon Bell also falls within the parameters of what the Dolphins are doing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. These Dolphins feel they can win some football games. And you look at the next seven football games on the schedule before we get into the final four games of the season, Miami has winnable football games at their disposal. So Miami... Whether or not Le'Veon Bell is a great fit, whether or not he comes in and he rejuvenates the rushing game, or whether or not he's going to be the best of both worlds as far as Gaskin's receiving skills and Jordan Howard's rushing skills all in one player, which would give the Dolphins ideally what they would want with a versatile back that's not going to tip their hand on personnel and what they're going to do on any given down, whether he becomes that or not. The bigger story with the Dolphins being in the final three in contention, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, for Le'Veon Bell, it tells you this Dolphins team is taking themselves seriously as a potential postseason contender. And at 2-3, and three, playing the Jets, going into the bye, there's no reason to argue with them. The Dolphins have done well to bounce back, and it's not just the fact that they scratched out two wins. They didn't scratch out two wins. They beat the tar out of two teams that they were supposed to beat, or one of them in San Francisco who arguably they shouldn't have beat. And from a betting perspective, the Dolphins were favored in neither one of those two football games. So as you assess the Dolphins' path through the first five games of the season, the first third of the season, Ryan Fitzpatrick playing the way that he is, understanding that the schedule is softening up for the next seven games, and you get the buy-in there to get some guys healthy, whether that's Byron Jones, any lingering effects that he has, Kyle Van Noy, who missed yesterday's practice, uh, but seems to be on track to be able to play. He's got a groin issue as well. Dolphins get some guys healthy. Okay, now we got a 10-game sprint to the end of the season after this week against the Jets. This would be a sensible time if they were to add Le'Veon Bell. You know He's going to give you good intel as far as what the Jets are going to try and do and, and offensively what the Jets are doing. You might not dress him because you're signing him on a Thursday for a Sunday game or Friday for a Sunday game. And then you get the buy to onboard him and we could come out fresh and, and spring a bunch of new looks on teams. The Dolphins have been trying to inject some life in this running game, whether it's more reps of Matt Breida or the Wildcat package with Lim Bowden. They're trying. If they feel Le'Veon Bell is the answer, it's not a move I was expecting. I think there are some potential risks as far as what Le'Veon Bell's limitations are at this point in his career, but we'll see. And if the Dolphins make that decision, we'll take it in stride. More power to him, and we'll root for Le'Veon Bell uh, to be the the solution that the Dolphins apparently feel he can be. But more than anything else, let's get excited that these Dolphins are taking themselves seriously as a team that they think can compete this year. Because there's no reason to think otherwise. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch, because Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football
1: watching. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent, that is, until I found...
0: Week 5, Dolphins 49ers. What stood out the most? I I think the biggest thing for me was getting Byron Jones back. Of course, we, we talked about this, teased this on Monday when we talked about initial reactions from the game on the Victory Monday show. Getting Byron Jones back allowed this defense to really take shape and be what the Dolphins intended to be, which is lockdown corners, and they did a lot of mixing and matching of coverages, they really had Jimmy Garoppolo on his heels as far as how they were uh, dropping that safety down into the kind of robber intermediate area between the hashes. So much of what San Francisco does as an offense is predicated around running the football, play-action passing, misdirection, getting defenders' eyes in the wrong spots. The Dolphins had a wonderful game plan in place to anticipate a lot of what San Francisco was going to try and do. And of course, it helps a ton that the Dolphins were able to jump out to a 14-0 lead and get San Francisco probably completely out of their script very early on in the football game. Uh, That is a big dynamic of this football game that you've heard the Dolphins talk about over the course of Uh, all week really is starting fast and the impact that that has. And there's no question that when you can start out and get out to a two touchdown lead against a team that's primarily rooted in running the ball and play action passing. Yeah, you're going to set yourself up for a ton of success. So it's not necessarily as though there was anything earth shattering that the Dolphins did other than the game situation allowed them to avoid chasing the game and trying to make big plays, or trying to jump down and and intercept the ball. And it's just like the Dolphins. I'll keep coming back to this analogy. The Dolphins head coaching search. They have spent a decade plus searching for the next big thing, offensive mind, to step in and be the head coach in Miami and run the football team. The second they stopped looking for it, and they hired somebody who was well-equipped to run the team and not call plays. They found the very thing, a lot of points, that they've been looking for this whole time. The Dolphins are on pace to have the second highest scoring single season in franchise history. So now take that and apply it to defense. If you're looking for big plays and hunting big plays, it prompts you to try to anticipate things that maybe aren't really there. Jumping down out of your zone to go attack a dig route against Seattle just before halftime. Because you've been chasing the game the whole way. Young guy like Noah makes that mistake. Russell goes over the top of you for 57 yards. And then you give up a touchdown with three seconds left in the half and you go from down one to down eight. Miami avoided all of those situations. Eric Rowe was the stud that we thought he was going to have to be for the Dolphins to win this football game. He's been terrific. Collisioning routes as he's driving down into the robber range. Being a presence over top of the tight ends and playing in coverage. (laughs) He was awesome. Jerome Baker also had a great game. You know, I was pretty critical of Jerome after week one. He had 16 tackles against the Patriots, but that was really... Uh, his primary contribution was just tackles. He made a couple mistakes. He made a bad play in coverage. He had one of his best all-around football games of his career, in my opinion, came against San Francisco. He was targeted five times and gave up 19 yards in coverage. Less than four yards per target against San Francisco. <laughs> That's a great showing from him. Rowe was a big winner. Jerome Baker was a big winner. Zach Sealer a big winner. Andrew Van Ginkle, a big winner. Van Ginkle's like really balling out, and while I'm I'm discouraged and I'm a little worried that Kyle Van Noy does seem to have a groin issue that that may impact his availability. At the very least, Andrew Van Ginkle has the athletic profile to be that hybrid player, and he kind of played it mum during his press availability. Uh, declining to really say whether or not he was going to step into a, a bigger role or not this week. They, he did not say, he said, I'm going to let coach decide what my role is and I'm just going to play. So very, very Brian Flores, kind of answer, right? But I mean, Van Ginkle's got two and a half sacks through five games, and that's been with a very limited role for the early portion of the season. You extrapolate that out over 15, 16 games, you're talking eight, seven and a half, eight sacks. And that's been with a limited role in the first month of the season. He's got the the twitch, the explosiveness. My issue with him coming out was that exactly how it played out as far as functional strength was was a problem, and he was a little green. Well, he has really developed himself, and this is the kind of example is a case for like, why on day three, you attack athletes. Uh, You attack guys who don't have a lot developmental players, potential developmental starters. Van Ginkle's athletic profile is really shining now that he's stacked a little bit more weight on his frame and he's had a year to kind of develop as a football player. So really exciting to see that materialize for Van Ginkle. Those are the big winners for me as I'm watching this game back on the All-22. Eric Rowe, dude was a stud in coverage. I thought Bobby McCain played another nice game again, but Rowe was the safety that stood out the most to me. Jerome Baker, Andrew Van Ginkle, as guys on the second level of the defense, really stood out as far as all-around performances, whether it was rushing the passer, Jerome had a sack and another knockdown, was good in coverage. Van Ginkle kind of moved him around took wins off the edge and physically looked the part. I know I mentioned on Victory Monday podcast Emmanuel Ogba took Trent Williams and put his ass in the gap on fourth and one and forced turnover on downs. Zach sealer has been really fun to watch emerge as a player who's going to take reps. Not necessarily the names that we were expecting, but that's the sign of a good football team. That's the sign of depth. When any given week, whether it's because of matchups or injuries or opportunities or what. Somebody else is capable of stepping up to the plate and filling the void. And we saw the Dolphins take that head on this past week, which we should be very, very excited about. And now we'll put week five behind us. And it's time to get ready for the GD Jets. It's Jets week here on Locked on Dolphins. Crossover with John Butchko of Locked on Jets coming up next. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts with high quality online service for the past 20 years. Whether you're looking for engine control modules or brake parts or taillights or motor oil for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog and in just a few clicks you can get everything delivered Directly to your front door. And best of all, prices are exactly the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. John Bushko of Locked On Jets. The Locked On Crossover Series. We do these every Thursday. And we are back once again. AFC East Clash. John. Glad to hop on with you. Glad to talk some football with you. Uh, Jets, Dolphins, this was not when we planned on having this little get-together between the two of us. But uh, first and foremost, it's great to talk with you again, man.
3: Yeah, Kyle. It's it's great to be chatting with you a few weeks earlier than we were expecting.
0: Listen, nothing gets my heart racing quite like Jets week. And I'm sure you guys, you know, obviously the Patriots are a different breed. But this little AFC East Divisional rivalry – Uh, Has been a fun one, and it's kind of had its ebbs and flows back and forth. John, the first thing I want to ask you with the Jets coming to town to play the Dolphins in Miami this week. I had a listener ask me this on my mailbag show last week, and I really enjoyed it, and I would like your perspective on this. The New York Jets beat the Miami Dolphins in week six if blank. What do, what do the Jets need to have success in this week specifically in your mind that would set them up for success against Miami?
3: You know, I, I'm not trying to be funny right now, but I just have a difficult time seeing this Jets team winning a game at this point in time. This is not the Jets team that's shown an ability to do anything well this season. They're going to be entering this game with Joe Flacco at quarterback, and, you know, Flacco has had a great career. But he's not really been that effective the last couple of years. Uh, Sam Darnold's out with a shoulder injury. The Jets are entering this game. They are in total disarray. The locker room is a mess. As you guys may have heard, there was a little situation with a back named Le'Veon Bell, who is now a former member of the New York Jets. So that means Frank Gore is going to be the lead back for the Jets. And Like I said with Flacco, Frank Gore has had a tremendous career. I have a lot of respect for him but head coach Adam Gase thinks that Frank Gore is still the player he was 10 years ago, and he's just not. He's not a lead back anymore in this league. You look at the wide receiver position, the Jets may be getting some guys back. Uh, Rashad Perryman's been out since week two. He practiced on Wednesday for the first time since he suffered an injury in that game against the 49ers, so he may be coming back. Rookie Denzel Mims is off injured reserve. He has yet to play this year. The Jets may be getting a little healthier at the wide receiver position, but it's not a great group there. Chris Herndon's been a big disappointment at tight end. The offensive line's just okay. The entire defense has really been a mess this year without Jamal Adams. I, if, if The Jets need to play essentially every, – essentially everything needs to be different for this team than it's been through the first five weeks of the season. I mean, this has been one of the worst five-game starts I can remember any NFL team having.
0: And, you know, John, I I think I remember seeing the statistic that the Jets are just the fourth team uh, in quite some time to have lost each of their first five games by multiple scores. So what, in your opinion, obviously Joe Douglas has come into the picture for the Jets uh, a little later into this current regime with Adam Gase. Uh, What's the biggest issue? for the Jets? Has it been past decision makers and, and whether that's Mike McCagnin's fault? Uh, is it the coaching and the lack of discipline? Do, how do you feel? Is is it an organizational thing? How did the Jets get to this point where year two of a regime with Adam Gase, they, they really struggled to surround a young quarterback in Sam Darnold with pieces to kind of help them answer a question that they really need to have an answer to by the end of the year, which is what are we going to do long-term with Sam Darnold? I don't think they will be any closer to the end of the year to having an answer to that because of the struggles for this team. How did they get here?
3: Well, you can look, and a lot of people say that there were a number of mistakes and I don't really agree with that. I think that there was one mistake and everything that followed was a consequence of that mistake. And that was after the 2018 season. The Jets fired Todd Bowles and not Mike McCagnin. Both of them had been with the team for four years, and it was a very unsuccessful four-year run. And for whatever reason, the Jets kept McCagnin aboard, and they let him have a. I don't. He, he's not the one who made the final decision. It was owner Christopher Johnson who made the final decision, but McCagnin held sway over the head coach head coaching search that led to Adam Gase. They were reportedly close to hiring Matt Rule from Baylor, who's now the Panthers head coach, but McCagnon wanted to have say over Matt Rule's coaching staff, and Rule did not want it. So you've created the situation where you have a general manager, so no coach who is going to have the gravitas to demand personnel, say over personnel, is going to be interested in the job. You don't end up with Matt Rule because Mike McKagan wants sway over the coaching staff. So you end up with a guy who was really kind of a third tier candidate in Adam Gase and not even a guy the Jets really wanted that badly. Gase was just the one guy who would accept the conditions on the job. And then McKagan with all the cap space, the Jets had went out and was allowed to spend $120 million guaranteed money in free agency, set an NFL record for free agent spending, did not spend it efficiently focused at the linebacker position at C.J. Mosley, neglected the offensive line, which really came back to hurt this team, essentially set the roster for two years. And then after all of this, the Jets decided to fire him because Chris Johnson did a what he called a deep dive. And the point that I always make is this is not really – we're not really talking about the NFL. In any business, if you're the CEO, would you ever let a guy spend $120 million of the company's money without first examining how good the guy was at his job but that's what the Jets did and Adam Gase was reportedly the driving force behind the firing so he just created created a dysfunctional organization the team was not built well the roster was essentially set for two years and it's the the poor roster that you've seen right now and he ended up with a coach that not that good so I think, But I think ultimately all of these issues can be traced back to one decision that was pretty obvious at the time. The Jets should have fired Mike McCagnin after the 2018 season because they entered that offseason with a lot of cap space. They had Sam Darnold, who still had three inexpensive years left on his rookie contract. Yet it was a pretty – at the time, it would have been a pretty attractive job. You would have had a blank slate. You would have had the pieces to build around him. And the Jets essentially squandered all those resources.
0: John, as as I look at the roster entering this game, you've mentioned Le'Veon Bell will not be a part of this. Obviously, he was cut earlier this week. The Jets stunned with their announcement of cutting him on Tuesday night. Joe Flacco starting at quarterback. If you're in the Miami Dolphins coaching staff and, and you've seen every play that the Jets have taken this year, who's one name on either side of the football that you got to put like a gold star next to to say, hey, you know, this this may be a team that's down, but as we construct our game plan, we want to make sure on the offensive side of the ball, we account for X. And on the defensive side of the ball, we account for Y.
3: Um, so, Makai Becton has been really good as a rookie. Uh, when the Jets drafted him, I wondered I, – I thought he had a lot of potential. I wondered whether he'd be a day one starter, but – He's been really good. He, he's transitioned very well. I thought he had long-term potential. I was not expecting it to be this good this fast. Now, he may miss this game because he's got a shoulder injury and he missed practice on Wednesday. So on the offensive side of the ball, I may change my answer to Jamison Crowder because he's been the one consistent player on the offense this year. Jets have not really gotten anything out of Chris Herndon. He's been a big disappointment. He's taken a big step back this year. Uh, the other receivers, I mentioned Perryman, Just coming back off injury, you're not sure what you're getting out of him. Mims may not play yet. None of the other receivers have really stood out so far. Frank Gore, I mentioned, you know, his best days are behind him. So I think on offense, it would be Crowder. On defense, I think I'd go with Quinnen Williams, who's a second-year guy. He He was the number three overall pick back in 2019 for the Jets. And he's been inconsistent. He hasn't quite been the player the Jets were hoping when they drafted him. But I think you've started to see flashes in recent weeks of him really starting to become a disruptive force. And Jets don't have a lot of great pieces on defense either. The Edge rush spot is barren. The corner position is a mess. Uh, linebacker, you're, you don't have C.J. Mosley this year because he opted out. At safety, you don't have Jamal Adams anymore. So really on the defense, quentin Williams is the one guy who can really be a disruptive force in Potentially wreck a game. And again, he's been he's been kind of inconsistent. But I think over the last couple weeks, you've started to see him maybe start to put the pieces together.
0: That is gonna do it for us here on Locked On Dolphins this Thursday, October fifteenth edition. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Let's keep our eyes peeled on some Le'Veon Bell. If we get uh, Le'Veon Bell signing, we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. But tomorrow, as things currently stand, we are going to be dedicated to crafting a game plan to beat the Jets. Kyle Krabs Locked On Dolphins keep it locked in right here and I hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.
2: Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.